When I was in college and part of an ecumenical campus ministry, I was big into Christian rock, especially Christian hard rock and metal. I had the long hair and not a few t-shirts. Once when I was working an info table for our ministry on campus, I wore a shirt that elicited a memorable response from a young woman. I'll tell you about it coming up next. Helping you grow deeper on your spiritual journey. Welcome to The Inner Life with Patrick Conley. Welcome to The Inner Life, the show that's committed to helping you grow in your walk with Jesus day by day. I'm Patrick Conley. So there I was working this info table for our campus ministry with my long hair and a Christian metal t-shirt that had cleverly taken the titles of secular metal and hard rock songs and put them together to form a message that conveyed the basic truths of the gospel. One of these titles, it's important to note, included the word hell. Well, the young woman approached the table and appeared to peruse our information. She was very conservatively dressed, and her body language conveyed a sense of being withdrawn and closed off. Nonetheless, I greeted her in a friendly voice and with a smile. She returned my greeting without a smile, and asked me if I was a Christian. I said that I was. And with a furrowed brow, she offered the challenge, but your t-shirt says hell on it. The implication, as I interpreted it, was that hell was a curse word, and to this young woman it seemed not to be used. I don't remember how I replied specifically, but I know our conversation didn't last long. I think she was more interested in leveling her accusation, in her mind probably, admonition, and moving on. But in reflecting on this incident, here's what I would say. Hell is real, very real, and we Christians have got to talk about it. I make no apologies for my t-shirt back then or even today when it comes to proclaiming the reality of hell and the consequences of rejecting God, whether in my thoughts or in my words, in what I have done or in what I have failed to do. So today on The Inner Life, we're talking about hell. What does the church teach about hell? And what should your attitude as a Catholic be toward it? Joining us as our spiritual director for today is Father Joseph Ilo. Father Ilo is the pastor of Star of the Sea Parish in San Francisco. He also gives retreats to Mother Teresa's missionaries of charity around the world. Welcome back, Father. Thanks for being with us to discuss this important topic. Thank you, Patrick. It it should be a, a really important show for all of us. I duly hope so. And let's get into it then. Um, Specifically, I think one of the things that has kind of opened me up to just wrestling with hell is that Jesus himself doesn't shy away from it. Um, give us some idea of, of how we come about this knowledge of hell from the Scriptures. Well, the, the Lord mentions the word hell many, many times in the New Testament, and specifically in Luke chapter 16, speaks about uh, the story of Abraham and the poor man and Lazarus, the the poor man Lazarus and the rich man, we call him Dives, the poor man died and went to heaven. And the the rich man died, the rich man who did not help Lazarus, the poor man, and he went to hell. And there was no communication between those two that Jesus says very clearly in the, the parable that there is 
no way for a person in hell to get to heaven or a person in heaven to be affected by the horrors of hell. Mm-hmm. And in Matthew 13, the Son of Man will send out his angels and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that it causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them, the weeds, into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Mm-hmm. Whoever has ears, let him hear. Our Lord also says that the way to heaven is hard and steep and the, the, the door is difficult to get through and few make it into eternal life. That is, many go to eternal death. Those are all scripture passages that we cannot ignore. They're the warnings of our Lord of the reality of rejecting God. We cannot die rejecting God and be with God forever. Mm. And to be without God forever is hell. To be with God even for a minute is hell. So we have to do all we can to make it to heaven and to avoid hell. Now, I I would also say hell is so frightening that we, we need to keep our eyes fixed on heaven. If you were walking on a tightrope and your only way to survive was to stay on that narrow edge, you wouldn't be looking on either side. You would be looking straight down at the tightrope. You would be keeping your whole mind and body focused on not falling into the abyss. And so the way to not be overwhelmed by this reality of hell is to keep our eyes fixed on heaven, to keep our eyes fixed on on the Lord Jesus. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, that's what uh, obviously we are intending to inspire others to do today as we talk about hell here on The Inner Life. And Father, I mean, with this kind of a foundation laid for us in the teaching of the very Lord himself, um, then uh, there's, well, there's a tie-in too, isn't there? I mean, specifically uh, with the with the Fatima apparitions, and we're, we're specifically today, July 13th. You want to bring us into that a little bit as well? That's right. The... Before I do that, uh, well, let me mention one more thing uh, from the scriptures, sure. which is John chapter 14, because this will be a difficult topic, a difficult hour. We don't want to become too frightened or uh, despairing of hell, and I'm going to talk about the vision of hell that Our Lady of Fatima gave to the three children in just a minute, but she had prepared them for that in the May and June apparitions. And only when they were ready did she let these three young children see a vision of hell. So we have to be ready to think about hell. And one way to get ready is also to remember the the Lord's uh, words in John chapter 14. Okay. He says, let not your hearts be troubled. Mm. Have faith in God, have faith also in me in my Father's house. There are many mansions, many rooms. And I'm going to prepare a place for you. I will come back again and take you to myself, that where I am, you also may be. You know the way where I am going. Now, Philip says, Master, we do not know the way. We don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And our Lord says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So John chapter 14 is given to reassure us that we can all go to heaven. We can all avoid eternal damnation. Our hearts should not be, let not them be troubled. Just keep your faith fixed on God. Now, having said that, let's take a look at 
what happened in July, July 13th, yeah. uh, 1917. The, uh, how many years ago was that? 106, 106 years ago, I guess. Yeah, right, yep. Uh, 106 years ago today, Our Lady of Fatima had appeared twice to the three children, Lucia, Jacinta, and Francisco, and had said to them, come every 13th of the month, and I, I have very important things to tell you that you must tell everybody else. So she, she, they came on the 13th, uh, the 13th of July, 1917, and um, Our Lady, first of all, the, Lucia was the spokesman, the oldest child, and she said, I would like to ask favors of you. People are asking me to intercede for your intercession for people that are sick, people that are falling away from the faith. And Our Lady said it would be necessary for such people to pray the rosary in order to obtain the graces they were requesting. So pray the rosary. Mm-hmm. And then she said as well, sacrifice yourself for sinners and say many times, especially whenever you make any sacrifice, oh Jesus, it is for love of you the conversion of sinners and in reparation for the sins committed against the Immaculate Heart of Mary. So it wasn't just focused eyes on heaven, on, on the Lord Jesus, but also for the conversion of sinners. And then we get to the vision of hell. Our Lady opened her hands, as she had done previously, rays of light came from her hands, and the children saw beneath their feet, I'll, I'll, I'll just read this from Lucia's own words, the rays of light seemed to penetrate the earth, rays of light from her hands, Our Lady's hands, and we saw, as it were, a sea of fire. Plunged in this fire were demons and souls in human form, like transparent burning embers, all blackened or burnished bronze, floating about in the conflagration, now raised up into the air by the flames that issued from within themselves together with great clouds of smoke, now falling back on every side like sparks and huge fires, without weight or equilibrium, amid shrieks and groans of pain and despair, which horrified us and made us tremble with fear. The demons could be distinguished by their terrifying and repellent likeness to frightful and unknown animals, black and transparent like burning coals. Terrified and as if to plead for succor, We looked up at Our Lady who said to us, so kindly and so sadly, you have seen hell where the souls of poor sinners go. To save them, God wishes to establish in the world devotion to my immaculate heart. If what I say to you is done, many souls will be saved and there will be peace. And then she taught them a prayer, the prayer that we pray after the glory be at every mystery. And that, you know, the... uh, what we call the Fatima prayer or the decade prayer. Oh, my Jesus, forgive us our sins. Save us from the fires of hell. Lead all souls to heaven, especially those in most need of thy mercy. Mm-hmm. Now, this vision of hell obviously had a tremendous impact on the children. And really, this was their, their turning point. In fact, John Paul II said that the July apparition, the vision of hell, and, and also what followed after it, summed up the whole... 20th century. Our Lady summed up the whole 20th century in her July apparition, he said. The children were converted. They began to offer, they they understood the value of prayer and sacrifice, that many souls would be saved 
from this horrifying, unthinkable tragedy of eternal separation from God. And in, in, in very graphic ways, the, the, the shrieks, the groans, the fire, the, the, there are a lot of details we don't really have time to get into, but for example, these souls without weight or equilibrium, they were ghosts. They, they had no substance to them. Everything we have and are is from God. You take away God and we have, there's nothing. We, we, are, we, are, we are nothingness. What a, what a horrible thing. And so, like these children, Our Lady is still saying this to us through them, that there is a hell and many souls will go there. We can go there if we do not offer prayer and penance because the, the devil, the world, the flesh, and the devil are doing everything they can to send us to hell, to separate us from God. Hmm. Do not let your hearts be troubled, however. Right. To all right. who are listening, do not let your hearts be troubled. That's the work of the devil, too. Have faith in God. Have faith in me. Right. And, and right. that's the final word of Fatima, the, the, the uh, October, the last apparition, October 13th, was a vision of heaven, a vision of the Holy Family in heaven and Our Lady calling us to heaven. So be aware of hell. Be, do everything you can to keep people from going there, beginning with ourselves. But do not worry. As Padre Pio said, pray, hope, and do and not worry. And don't worry. Yeah, that's right. Our spiritual director today, Father Joseph Ilo, pastor of Star of the Sea Parish in San Francisco. As we're talking about hell, about the church's teaching on hell, about the scriptural uh, scriptural portrayals of hell, about, uh, we were just taking us through the July 13th apparition at Fatima, in which our lady gave uh, the visionaries a view of hell as well. Do you have a question about the Church's teaching on hell? Is part of it, or some of it, maybe all of it, difficult for you? And you would like to uh, receive some clarity on that if you have some insight into um, into hell and its reality. Please give us a call. Join the conversation, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Or you can also send us an email, innerlife@relevantradio.com. Well, Father, I think uh, I want to go... I want to kind of go to the extremes now that I think are dangerous ways of viewing hell. And we'll start off, I think, just with the with the way that um, it seems in the society, the pieces, portions of society that I move in, at least, that people don't seem to pay much attention to hell. So, and maybe there's this, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's an instilled belief that if I'm just a quote-unquote good person, I'll be fine. Um, maybe they don't believe in hell at all. So um, why do you think this is kind of the situation or um, this is the attitude of many people that we find around us? I think it's the attitude because we've lost a sense of the sacred. This has been happening probably for the last 500 years, but it's accelerated in the last 30 or 40 years. If we don't appreciate the majesty, the infinite glory of God, and our own selves as creatures rather than gods, then we don't have a need. We don't perceive a need for God's presence. And heaven and hell, I mean, that's the essential distinction between heaven. Heaven is the presence of God and hell is the absence of God. But we already have some level of absence of God in our practical lives. We, 
we live as practical atheists. Mm-hmm. That is, the decisions we make day to day don't refer to God. And, and frankly, our worship is, is pretty poor these days. Uh, most Catholics don't even go to Mass mm-hmm. on a regular basis. And uh, we have to say that many of the Masses are irreverent or rather superficial. A lot of the liturgical music, for example, focuses more on us. It's self-referential, as Pope Francis has said in Pope Benedict, that when the liturgy becomes about us, then guess who we're worshiping? We're worshiping ourselves. And that's a very boring prospect. So if we don't have a sense of heaven, of of God's majesty, then we don't have a sense of hell. And we just kind of stupidly think, Oh well, either I just disappear, I you know, I cease to be when I die, or all dogs go to heaven. Mm-hmm. All dogs don't go to heaven. That's not the that's not what the Bible says. That's not what the church has always taught, and that's really not what. Um, that's not rational to think that there's no justice, there's no accountability in the end. You can do whatever you want, and there's there's no reckoning. We have a natural sense of justice, that the, that those who, who disrupt the natural order, who, who break and destroy things, have to be accountable for that. Mm-hmm. And that's really what, as Pope Benedict said when he was still Cardinal Ratzinger, that the doctrine of hell is really a matter of justice. If, mm-hmm. if we don't believe in hell, then, then we don't believe in any real natural order to the, to the universe. There's, there's no, um, the, no, no thinking person, no thoughtful philosopher would deny that there is, um, there, there should be, there's a natural desire for justice and order in the universe. And it, it's that final reckoning that makes, makes sense of the moral order and the, and the ethical order in our lives now. Right. Right. And uh, yeah, as uh, not to be flippant about it, but the uh, I, I know that those who would say that there is there may not be a, an eternal sort of justice or any sense of justice. Maybe they don't have a sense of justice. It's it's all kind of mercy. You can do whatever you want type of thing. Yeah. Just tell them that uh, when they when somebody else takes their parking space. Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. We see that. Yeah. Oh, the, good. The, Sorry. Go ahead, no Father. one wants to live in a, in a world without any laws. Right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely true. Our yeah. spiritual director today, Father Joseph Ilo from San Francisco, and we are talking about the Church's teaching on hell. If you have questions about the Church's teaching on hell, you want some clarity around that teaching, and is it difficult for you? If you'd like to share just your your reaction to the existence of hell, give us a call. Join the conversation, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149, and our email address is innerlife@relevantradio.com. We need to take a short break, but we're going to be back with more of The Inner Life right after this. Our sponsor, the University of Dallas, invites you to check out The Quest, a five-episode video series on discovering our purpose and living it with courage. Start watching The Quest for free at RelevantRadio.com slash quest. David, I'm going to hell, the worst place in the world. With devils and those those caves and and the ragged clothing and the heat. What do you think about all that? It's gonna be rough. 
Welcome back to The Inner Life. We're talking about the church's teaching on hell today. And I I, I, I will admit I am a, a huge Seinfeld fan. And uh, just as this clip was going through my head a number of times as I was contemplating uh, the, today. And so I wanted to use it, though, as an example of, yeah, this is kind of how how people maybe view hell, that there's not really a consequential, you know, that there's not a chance that they're going to end up going there, that maybe it's reserved for the the Hitlers of the world and that sort of thing, and uh, they don't see themselves in that category. We're talking with Father Joseph Eilor, spiritual director today, about hell and um, where we got where we are today in terms of our view of hell. Give us a call, 888-914-9149. Vince is calling in from Hammond, Indiana with a comment. Vince, welcome to the program. Thanks for calling in. Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. And I think you just kind of segued into my question, is, which is what I hear from people that don't believe in hell and stuff is, you know, I'm not hurting anybody. You know, I just do me. I'm, I'm not hurting anybody. I'm just doing my thing. And as long as I'm not hurting anybody, I don't see what the problem is. How would you respond to somebody like that? Thank you, Vince. That's a real common uh, perspective that hell is for people that hurt people. But hell is, first of all, all of us hurt people. All of us are going to hell unless somebody rescues us, somebody ransoms us. So hell is not just a punishment for sin, it's much deeper than that. It's for people that refuse to be rescued, that refuse God's love. So it's much deeper than just sin, because if, that were, if, if only the perfect went to heaven, nobody would be there. It's for, the, it's for the redeemed, the ransomed. And if you want to be ransomed, and to be in the presence of God forever, and you you really want it, meaning you you conform your life to that desire, you make sacrifices toward that end, then you go to heaven. But if you make fun of hell, like, sorry, Patrick, uh, the Seinfeld episode yeah. apparently did, but it's just right. reflecting, of course, uh, um, the reality of uh, right. popular understanding. But um, it... <laughs> In one sense, it's we, we make fun of the devil because, like the medieval mystery plays, we don't, we don't want to be afraid, afraid of him, and God doesn't want to be afraid of us. And really, he is a ridiculous character in, 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 a, in a sense. And um, the devil and hell are nothing. They are literally nothing. Heaven is everything. So we shouldn't be afraid of it. We shouldn't be, be troubled by it. But also, we need to take it seriously. And so to think that hell is a punishment for my peccadillos, <laughs> that's, a, that's a very superficial understanding of hell. Hell is for those who refuse to accept God's salvation. And everyone's going there unless we do accept that salvation. I hope that helps a little bit, Vince. Yeah, I thank you for the call, Vince. Good question. And that's, uh, that is, you're right, Vince. It's, it's, uh, it's pretty pervasive attitude of, well, I, I've, or the way I've heard it put sometimes I've never killed anybody, uh, that sort of thing. And, uh, it's, I think that in such an attitude, like you were saying before, father, it's just, that comes from an, an attitude, a sense of, uh, not understanding kind of the, the 
in the pervasive goodness of God. It's it's a loss of this understanding of what truly is sacred and completely holy and perfect. Um, that then, if we reduce that, then we also well reduce kind of what what punishment is is really warranted when I'm not hurting anybody or killing anybody. So good call, Vince. All, Thank you. Yeah, go ahead, Father. Yeah, I think it's also a, um, there's a sense of entitlement to most of us in the wealthier developed countries that hmm. we've grown up with everything we've needed in this life. So why wouldn't that continue after death? How could anybody possibly deny us the basics of life, which we've always had? Now, people that grow up in more difficult circumstances in poorer countries, they're very aware of hell because they kind of live it on earth mm. and they hope for heaven. So I think we have to come to terms with our own uh, kind of rottenness or, or you know, sense of entitlement and we're, we're spoiled. And we need to realize we don't deserve anything. What right. people say, Father, you're you know you're a good priest. You're going to heaven. You deserve heaven, and I'm like, oh, I deserve hell for my sins. Mm-hmm. Uh, only by the grace of God, I hope to be saved. But that's the thing: is to cling to to the grace of God, so that we do not lose our salvation. Right. Well, very good, and uh, good reminders here as we're talking about hell here on The Inner Life. Thanks again, Vince, for the call. Let's go now to Michael, who's calling in from West Allis, Wisconsin. Michael, welcome to the program. Thank you, sir. Good morning, Father. Father, I've been having a lot of difficulty spiritually to reconcile the idea of an all-merciful Savior, yet who could create a place of such everlasting torment that it makes anything any concentration camp, any human horror pale in comparison. And it just, it frightens me. And maybe I worry too much. I might be one of these people that suffer from a bit of scrupulosity. I I hope not. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. I'm doubly handicapped. I'm crippled. I'm blind. Mm -hmm. I try to offer all of it up to our Lord. I pray to him every day. And I still Mm -hmm. feel I'm unsure what would happen if I dropped over today. Would God take care of me or wouldn't he? And it's a frightening feeling, and maybe you can set just a wee mite of light on it for me. Well, thank you, Michael, and thank you for your honesty. I think a lot of us have these, you could call it scrupulosity or fear, or where our hearts are troubled, and our Lord says, try not to let your hearts be troubled. We, we, All of us have our problems. All of us have sleepless nights and sufferings. But it's the humility you express that will that will lead to your salvation, because humility is, as Thomas Aquinas says, the truth. What's the truth? The truth is that we are nothing, and God is everything. Your your initial question: How could God create hell? In one sense, God did not create hell because hell is nothing. God creates things; He doesn't create nothing. Hell is the absence of good, the absence of God's presence. And it's where one falls into if one does not allow God to love him. So allow God to love you and you'll be fine. There are many saints, for example, St. Therese of Lisieux, who had a great confidence in the mercy of God, Sister Faustina also. And our Lord to St. Margaret Mary, the Sacred Heart Devotion, and to St. Faustina, the Divine Mercy Devotion, those were given to us to reassure us 
that if we have our hearts fixed on him, all will go well. So one of the practical means of getting over our scruples or our fear is to pray to the Sacred Heart, pray the Litany of the Sacred Heart. This past June, I, I had a much deeper understanding of the Sacred Heart in my own parish and through the liturgies and the devotions. And I realized how essential devotion to the Sacred Heart is. It's the essence of our Lord, His, His heart. And people in the time of the revelations of the Sacred Heart to St. Margaret Mary in France were going through what you're going through now, which is scrupulosity, the heresy of Jansenism, um, a loss of confidence in God's mercy. And so he, he revealed at that time that he is, in essence, love, a sacred heart. Also, the, the uh, revelation to St. Faustina, or between the two great wars, you know, the 19, late 1920s, 1930s, the same problem, that especially people in Europe were losing their faith in God's mercy. So devotion to the sacred heart, the prayer of the divine mercy chaplet, the reading of scripture, all of these things are given to us to reassure us that we are God's cherished creation. If we have the humility to accept his, his forgiveness, then we will be saved. We could reject it at any moment. And that's why we have to be very careful. We have to offer penances and sacrifices, but especially for others who don't have any faith. But if we have the faith that God will provide for us, that he is the father who provides eternal life, then we will not fear death. And, and I would also read St. Therese, her autobiography, The Story of a Soul. She was, she's a relatively modern saint who, who God had given the graces of, of divine confidence, confidence in his merciful heart. All right. So we'll pray for each other, Michael. Yeah. Michael, thank you. Thank you for that. And and I wanted to use that too, Michael, you've transitioned as well into the other end of the spectrum. I said I wanted to get to the extremes of the views. So kind of on the one hand, denying that there is a hell or or saying that ah, it doesn't really apply to me. It's only for those who, you know, as we've said, hurt or kill others, that sort of thing. And then the opposite extreme, which I think, again, Father, you just did a great job of uh, addressing, is that we live in constant fear of hell um, that that really even eclipses our love of God as well. And I think, well, I know that that is not what the Lord has for us either. Certainly not. Just in the words that I mentioned uh, from John chapter 14, I will right. take you to myself. You, just picture this, of the Lord pressing us to his sacred heart. So um, to overcome that scrupulosity or that fear, the Bible is so important that I think few of us read the Bible every day. And the Bible is given to us to reassure us that despite the horrors of our world and the horrors of a possibility of eternal death, that the Lord died on the cross for us. He Today, is we're in July, the month of the precious blood, the devotion to the precious blood, that we are we are covered with the blood, the blood that gives life. For the Jewish people, blood was life, and the blood of God 
is our very life, and it's poured out for us at every Mass. So there are things we can do, uh, as long as reading the Bible, but also uh, Eucharistic adoration and daily Mass and attending Sunday Mass with great devotion. That's when we are, we are covered and washed with the blood of Christ, which is our life. Amen to that. Father Joseph Hilo is our spiritual director today here on The Inner Life as we're talking about the Church's teaching on hell. If you have a question, need for clarity, and maybe it's, as our callers have indicated, you know, maybe there's something about the teaching about hell that reflects directly on your own your own spiritual life. And you're wondering, how can this how can this be? Give us a call. Ask the question, 888-914-9149. Again, 888-914-9149. Or send us an email, innerlifeatrelevantradio.com. Well, Father, this is, a, again, a very important topic. I'm glad we're discussing it here on The Inner Life, and we should, we, we should come back to it frequently, I think, um, or at least this understanding, because it seems to me that the more we understand, just what you were spinning off of what you were just saying, Father, the more we understand the, the horrible miseries of what it is to be without God, to be in a, in a state of hell, um, the more grateful we are moved to, to be for, for the price that was paid for our salvation. That's right. I, I don't know if some of you have gone to daily mass today and uh, or seen the first reading, this very moving portrait of Joseph in the Old Testament, mm-hmm. where at the moment when he reveals himself to his brothers. Now, he had been sold into slavery. He's a type of Christ who went into this world enslaved to sin to ransom us. And so Joseph of the Old Testament spends many years in jail for a crime he did commit. And then he becomes the viceroy of Egypt, Pharaoh's number two. He saves the people by, by feeding them bread. And his brothers come to him and he says, do not worry that you have sold me. Yeah. I am Joseph, your brother. And, and God allowed, he, he, he set this up so that many would not die. Th- yeah. This portrait of um, the revelation of God's mercy and his providence, it's such a moving scene that, that I am Joseph, your brother. Jesus says, I am Jesus, your brother. Have no fear. Fear only turning away from me, refusing my grace. That's the only thing we need to fear. Yeah. What a great promise. What a great uh, great perspective. I mean, this is the perspective we need to be incorporating into our lives, and that, that can really help. That can really help live out day to day, which is what we're about here on The Inner Life. Let's go back to the phones. Keith is calling in from Southern California. Keith, thanks for taking the call. Good morning. Good morning, Father. I have a Good morning, Keith. question in regards to um, what you said about heaven is everything and hell is nothing in relationship to, uh, like right now, the souls in uh, in hell, per se, um, are uh, suffering without a body, and the saints that, or the children that are, were given the vision of hell, and, and uh, there's the horrible suffering that they're going through is almost like they had a body. It's a little confusing, mm-hmm. if you could um, help me figure that out. Right, well, Heaven and hell are not part of this created, or, you know, this earthly reality. So as 
the Bible tells, as Jesus said, eye has not seen, ear has not heard what God has prepared for those who love him, that we can't imagine what heaven is like. And in another, in a similar sense, hell is not a physical place. However, we were we are saved or we are damned in the body, in the flesh. The flesh is very important. And so in some sense, our flesh will be in torment or some perception of that in hell. And so that's why this vision of hell, and as, as I say, we, we can't take it too literally, like scientifically, empirically, physically. What they saw was like bodies being thrown about by the flames and the shrieks. And obviously to, to shriek or cry out, you need to have a, vo- a vocal cord, you need a body. But it's more a spiritual reality. So whether we have bodies in hell, we the church teaches that we have bodies in heaven. That is our, our bodies will be reunited to our souls. What kind of a body that will be, it'll be a glorified body, we can't imagine. What kind of a body we may have in hell, we can't imagine. In one sense, it's the absence of created reality, it's the absence of material good, and so there's nothing there. But in another, maybe a mystical, spiritual sense, there is something suffering there, the loss of God, some consciousness, maybe some bodily. So I can't say, I don't think the Church uh, specifies what kind of uh, physical or spiritual reality hell entails. It's just simply, and I, I would, I went to read to you the Catechism. I think everybody should, if you don't believe in hell, read the Bible, but read also the Catechism. Mm-hmm. And so the Catechism in number 1033, paragraph 1033, to state a definitive self-exclusion from communion with God and the blessed is called hell. So self-exclusion we choose to be apart, to be isolated from God and the blessed or you know, the angels and saints. That's, that's as much as we can say about hell, that it's self-exclusion. Mm. It's separation forever. It's isolation, loneliness, emptiness. Yeah. Yeah, as uh, is sometimes quipped, the doors from hell, the doors of hell are locked from the inside, right? It's it's our choice mm, right. to be there. Yeah, yeah, very good. Keith, thanks for the call. Appreciate that. We're talking about hell today here on the show with our spiritual director, Father Joseph Ilo, and we're talking about the church's teaching on hell and what difference that should make in our spiritual lives. If you have a question about just that, how how should the teaching on hell affect me in my walk with Christ? Give us a call. Ask the question. 888-914-9149. Again, 888-914-9149. We're going to take a break, but we'll be back with more right after this. Our sponsor, the University of Dallas, invites you to check out The Quest, a five-episode video series on discovering our purpose and living it with courage. Start watching The Quest for free at relevantradio.com quest. Welcome back to The Inner Life with Patrick Conley. Join the conversation at 888-914-9149. Welcome back. 
back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio. We're talking about hell today. My name is Patrick Conley. My thanks to Nick Sentovich, our producer, and Sarah Tafoya for taking your phone calls. We're talking about hell, as I said, with our spiritual director, Father Joseph Ilo. It's important. Uh, it's important to talk about hell because uh, oftentimes I think it slips off the consciousness of our society. And uh, that that can have some pretty dire, in fact, the most dire certain, or results, consequences, uh, when it comes to it. So, yeah, as we talk about hell, let's go back to the phones now. Mike is calling in from Santa Ana, California. Mike, welcome to the program. Thanks for calling. Yes, uh, uh, it's a fat- fascinating discussion. Uh, so far, I've, I've heard what I would characterize as a Protestant understanding of uh, salvation. If If we accept God's mercy when we will be saved. I, I, I think I've, I heard that uh, stated. Uh, but uh, on the other hand is our, our obligation to God, our, uh, our, our, our works uh, as, as opposed to our mercy. And uh, that's uh, epitomized by Matthew 7.21, which says, uh, it's not everyone who calls, called out to me, Lord, Lord, that would be saved, but he who does the works of my Father in heaven. Uh, so uh, I'd like to hear a uh, a discussion of the balance between works and mercy. That's good, Michael. Thank you for that clarification. So I just want to... Uh, point out that verse again uh, for our listeners, Matthew seven twenty one. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will, who does the will, that is, does works. I'd also point out John chapter 6, verse uh, 28 20 and 29. So they said to him, what can we do to accomplish the works of God? Jesus answered, this is the work of God that you believe in the one he sent. So the, the primary work is faith, but it's not just an intellectual faith. We have to work out that faith, as Paul says, I work out my salvation with fear and trembling. How do you do that? In the same chapter of John's gospel, then he reveals that he is the bread of life and we must eat the bread of life to live, to have life. And so that means going to Mass, but it means going to Mass in a state of grace, meaning we must pray, we must do acts of charity, we must do our duty to support our families, etc. And we must do penance. Literally, in the sacrament of penance, we must go to confession before we receive this bread from heaven, but also living a penitential life. So seeing the Bible in, a, in its broadest context, we, it's not just faith, although the, the work of God begins with this intention of believing, but then we need to strengthen that faith, to work out that faith or prove that faith by works, because we're human. We, 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 don't, we need muscle memory. We need to practice and exercise the things that we believe in for them to be real for us. So all of those things, the 
prayer, the sacraments, the, the acts of charity, the acts of penance are the work of God. And without them, we'll probably not believe. And if we don't believe, we go to hell. So it's, as you say, Michael, we don't want to fall into the anti-works Protestant mentality of, well, it's all just in my mind, this salvation. No, it's in our bodies. It's, it's in the things that we do and how we live that proves and strengthens the faith. I think of St. Maximilian Kolbe, who lived a life of prayer and penance and work. He was a great worker in evangelizing. And when he was in, a concentra- in Auschwitz concentration camp in 1941, when the time came for the greatest test of his faith, that is, will you take the place of another prisoner who has a wife and children? Will you die for him? He was able to step forward and offer his life for that man. But behind that decision of faith was a whole life of prayer and sacrifice and and, uh, charitable work. So thank you for pointing that out, Michael. Yeah, Mike, thank you for the call, and thank you for the clarification, Father, on that. We've had uh, a couple of emails come in specifically, Father, about a great recommended reading the book called The Dogma of Hell. Are you familiar with that one? Father FX SJ? Yeah. Um, it's mentioned oh. regularly by on Patrick Madrid's show, and uh, okay. a number of people have picked up on that. So thank you for listening to Patrick, and thank you for staying tuned and listening to The Inner Life as well. Um, looks into just a, a quick uh, read through the the uh, recommendations on it looks like it might be well worth the reading as long as we're on the topic of hell. So thank you for those who have called and emailed in about that. And Father, one of the things I guess I just want to say uh, specifically about this whole understanding of hell is that even if, you know, if we are if we are regularly practicing Catholics and we are depending on all that God provides, his graces and uh, the abundant life that he's come to bring, his body, blood, soul, and divinity, and the Eucharist, the Holy Spirit poured out upon us, and, and all these sort of, sort of things. But we thereby share in the mission of Christ to the world. We are part of his church, which carries on Christ's mission to the world. And so it seems like there should be something incumbent upon us, specifically to continue his salvation in the world. So maybe just reflect a bit on how we can help our friends, family members, neighbors, loved ones avoid you know, the the threat of hell. Yes, coming back to the July apparition at Fatima, this transformed the children's understanding of why we're here on earth for the time we are. It's to love God, but it's also to love neighbor and save souls. So they would make sacrifices. They wouldn't eat lunch. They would give their meals away to poor children. They would wear a rope belt Actually, Our Lady said to them, don't wear it while you sleep. Your Lord is pleased that you're making these sacrifices for the salvation of souls, but be prudent. And she said, don't wear it during your sleeping because you won't sleep very well and you need your sleep. So there has to be a balance with penance, but everything we offer to God helps souls to get to heaven. That's the fully Catholic understanding of atonement and reparation. So yes, we must work with our Lord's. Our Lord asks us to be to join Him in His saving mission of saving souls, and He gives us the ability to do that through the sacraments and through our ability to offer penance. Mm-hmm. 
Mm. So yeah. we uh, join these the, the children in Fatima, and and the, the essential message of Fatima is prayer and penance. And and I don't think most <laughs> I don't do enough penance. I know, and I think <laughs> most of us American Catholics just we don't we don't do very much. We don't fast very much. Mm. We don't we don't uh, do much penance. Yeah, it's a good point. We just did a show on fasting as well, so that's another thing you can do is look up that show. Great show on just uh, yeah, some of these things that we are we are entreated to do as living out our faith. That it is something, as you just said, Father, that will help not only us but our neighbors, our loved ones, our family, our friends um, to encounter the living Lord Jesus Christ and uh, to receive and at least have the opportunity to receive His great salvation. An email came came in, Patty, and I um, I know we don't have a lot of time left, but just a, a briefly, a good question. And specifically, uh, I think this uh, Patty is asking about the differences between assurance of salvation that a lot of people in the Protestant world believe, um, and then how we as Catholics, we hope in our salvation, with a very, very strong and fervent hope, um, right? But maybe just illustrate the quick difference there and what how we as Catholics might respond to that. Assurance of salvation is a, a sense of entitlement that I deserve, or I'm guaranteed to be saved if I if I say Jesus Christ is Lord. And that is not perfect humility. Humility is to say I don't deserve, and I'm not. A, I don't have a guarantee that I'll be saved. I hope. I throw my hope in with God. That's. Uh, Christian confidence. Confidence comes the, the Latin word confidare, mean, meaning to hope, to have um, faith with, fides, confidare. Confidence is to have faith with the church and with our Lord that I'll make it to heaven. But it's a, we realize that salvation is a gift. We are beggars at the throne of grace. We have no rights. We deserve hell. That's the starting point. And that's why when we are saved, we, when, when God reaches down from heaven and says, let me save you, it yields great gratitude in a humble soul. And gratitude is always happiness. To be Amen. grateful is to be happy. There you go. Great way to end the show, Father. Very nice, good line. Uh, one more thing, of course, we would ask of you. May we have your blessing, please. May the blessing of Almighty God save us all from hell and bring us all to heaven one day in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father Joseph Ilo has been our spiritual director today. As always, you can go and listen to the show again, share it with others at uh, relevantradio.com slash inner life. Coming up, we have the holy sacrifice of the Mass, that salvation that is offered to us through the sacrifice of Christ on the cross with our celebrant Father Matthew Seminar. Tomorrow here on the program, we're going to be talking about sacramentals with our spiritual director, Father John Paul Erickson. So I hope you can join us for that. Glad you joined us this time. Until then, grace and peace.